0: Well, Happy New Year, Soul City Church. How are you? No, wrong answer. Happy New Year, Soul City. How are you? There it is. I love that piece that Sam wrote and just performed for us where we, I think, felt the tension of what we feel this time of year, that we want this new year to be a now year For us to see the change that we want to see, and even I think at a deeper level that God actually longs for each of us to experience. And so we're going to talk today about how we can do that. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City, and I'm so glad you're here. I hope you got a little bit of a break around Christmas, New Year's time. Hopefully you got to rest a little bit. I know a lot of you traveled and had a lot of different places you needed to be, but hopefully you got some sweatpants time in there, a little chill time. Our family did. We're really grateful for the time to have some downtime and just uh, be together. And then I know a lot of folks kind of when that is done, are excited to get back at it. New year, you know, kind of gives a new opportunity to get things straight in uh, your life, things get in, in order in your life. And so a lot of folks like to make resolutions or goals, whatever you want to call it, uh, this time of year because you want to see this year be different. So just by show of hands, I know Kurt asked you earlier, if you made any kind of resolution, like one resolution or have one goal, at least one goal for 2017, raise your hand right now and raise it proud, by the way. Okay. See, last service, like half the room raised their hand. I was very concerned for this year, for them. But okay, so this is awesome. A lot of people, and and call it different things, but make resolutions, make goals, have at least you know desires or dreams uh, for the upcoming year. In fact, more and more people make them actually uh, more and more each year. In fact, uh, Forbes magazine uh, did a study on the number one resolution that people made for 2017. So they were tracking what people were searching for on Google. It's amazing how they kind of figured this all out. And what they assessed is that the number one resolution for 2017. You want to guess what it is? Anyone can guess what that is? What would you say it is? Yep, get healthy, get fit. How do we all know that? Because it's always at the top. Every year, that's always at the top. And for those of you who have a gym membership, uh, before the last uh, week, um, you, you, well, you know because you see how crazy, like you have to wait in line now for treadmills and you have to wait in line for like the lame like rowing machine, right? Like why are there so many people? But you know if you can sit it out for three weeks, you'll have the whole place back to yourself again. <laughs> you know that because you've been around for a while. Why is that? Uh, that's because statistically speaking, what they found is they've studied people who make resolutions. Only 9.2% of people who make resolutions keep resolutions. So we love the making. It's the keeping part that we don't always love, which is why we tend to make the same resolutions year after year after year. And I think there's something actually um, fundamental to uh, who we are in that process of making resolutions. There's something true about you that's revealed when you come to a new year and you want things to be new. You want things to be different. I think you know at a core level that you need change in your life. I know that you, you, probably at some core level, you are drawn to the idea of new. You like the idea of possibility. Sometimes we like possibility more than we like reality, but we like the idea of, of new. And we all know that at some level, we need new in our, each of our lives. In fact, what I would argue for the next couple moments since they gave me the mic is, I actually think we need new more than we know. You need new in your life more than you may even know. I need new in my life more than I even realize. We all have places in our lives where, if we're being honest, you're stuck, Let's just be honest, we'll call it that. We all have places in our lives where you are stuck in a habit, in a pattern, in a relationship. And then I think if we were to be really, really honest, we would say that we all have places in our life where we're not only stuck, we're actually heading the wrong direction. And you know that, right? And maybe that direction is even away from God in this certain area of your life. We all have places where we're stuck. We all have places where we're heading in the wrong direction. We all have places where we know we need New, and I would just argue that we actually need it more than we know. In fact, that may be why you're actually at church today. you didn't maybe even think about why you came back to church or came out to church or wanted to make sure you made it to church today is because at some core level you know you need new, and you believe that God actually has something to do with that. And so that's why each first Sunday of the year, I like to teach the same passage. And so I've been teaching it for a couple years now because it doesn't get old because we need it every year and need to be reminded of the powerful promise of God. And I believe a year like perspective shift for us that all of us can experience in him today. So what I want you to do is grab a Bible and turn to Isaiah 43. If you have a Bible with you, awesome. Open that. Uh, If you don't, there should be a great Bible in front of you. So both here and everyone who's in Overflows, good to have you all with us today. Grab a Bible as well. Grab a pen too. There's a couple things I want you to circle. This is a really amazing passage in Isaiah 43. Uh, We say this all the time. If you are here and you are exploring God, you don't know God or have a relationship with him or you want to know more about him and you don't own a Bible, uh, we can fix that for you real quick. We want you to steal a Bible from church today. So just drop it in your purse, see if anyone notices, or just be bold about it and just walk out of church with it, doing a march if you want. No one's going to judge you. In fact, they'll probably high-five you for stealing a Bible. We think it's awesome that you would want to do that. So Isaiah 43 uh, let me give you some quick context. We're in the Old Testament. Isaiah is a prophet, a very famous prophet in the Old Testament, who spoke for God to the people of God. Now the people of God, at this point in their story, they had been just this small obscure little group of people that God continued to nurture and grow. And then they found themselves in captivity in Egypt. God delivered them out of Egypt, formed them into a nation. In fact, in Pretty reasonably short amount of time, they became a superpower in that part of the world. Huge, powerful nation. And then eventually, they were attacked, defeated, divided, and they began to scatter, and they began to see some of the darkest days in their history. And this is in the middle of those dark days, dark years, in fact, that they had experienced And so God is wanting to remind them that they had actually seen and known God's faithfulness firsthand, but they had seemed to have forgotten all about it. So God wants to remind them of who he is and who they are in him. God wants to rally them to greater things in him. That's where we're at in Isaiah 43. Let me uh, read. And when I pause, that's your opportunity to to speak up and to shout back, even in overflow uh, as well. Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says. So Isaiah speaking for God to the people of God. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. Jacob is another name for Israel. He who created you, Jacob. He who what? He who formed you. That means that God actually lovingly, intentionally formed this people group. He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have what? I have redeemed you. That means I've taken an old thing and made it new. I've taken a broken thing and I've fixed it. I've taken a hurt thing and I've... Healed it. God says, I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are whose? You are mine, mine, says God. Now this is, God is not unsure of who he is and what he's done here. Very confident in his credentials here. God says, this is who you are. You're mine. I created you. I formed you. I have the power to redeem your story, to make you new because you actually are Mine, you belong to me. I know you by name because I created you. And I put you in this world for a purpose. So this is a powerful picture that we have just in verse one. Let's keep moving. A couple metaphors in verse two, pictures uh, that would remind these folks of God's faithfulness and what he's done and what he would do. Isaiah 43, verse two. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, God is doing something, I think, powerfully poetic. I love what God's doing here because He's speaking. In past tense and future tense in the present moment to these folks. How is that? Well, God's referring to two different things, water and fire, flood and flame. And so God is reminding them when he says in the past, when you walk through waters, when you cross through rivers, any good Jew would know any Israelite at this time, even though the nation had been completely dismantled, would remember as a part of their deliverance story that when God brought them out of Egypt and they got stuck and could not pass, God literally parted the waters for them so they could walk through on dry land. In fact, God did it again. That was Exodus 14. God did it again in Joshua chapter three when they got to the Jordan River and they were stuck and they couldn't get through. God stopped the river so they could cross on dry land. They would know that when God is referring to waters and rivers, they knew exactly what he was talking about. It's a part of their past. God was faithful then. But then he mentions the fire and the flame. That actually hadn't happened yet in the story of the Bible, chronologically, historically. That doesn't come till Daniel chapter 3, and it's the story of three faith-filled teenagers who stood up for God in the face of an evil leader. And in fact, because of it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace where their bodies were in the flames but not consumed by the flames, so God is saying, just so you know, remember when in your story you walk through waters, you walk through rivers, and we're not consumed? Well, one day you're going to actually walk through fires and walk through flames, and those can't and won't overtake you then, because you are mine. Powerful promise from God. Past tense, future tense, present moment. I don't know about you. I wonder, is anyone here today? Anyone this last year in 2016, you felt a little bit like you faced your own fires and your own floods this last year? Anyone in this room ever felt just a little overwhelmed, undone this last year? Anyone get to any point this last year where you felt like literally it's just your nose above the waterline and you were hanging on and you didn't even know if you were going to make it or you didn't know who you'd be if you actually made it through? Anyone faced their fair share of trials this last year? Flames and flood. Well, here's what I want you to do if that's you. I want you to look at your hands, both sides, Then I want you to look around you, and I want you to remember this. You're here. You made it through. God brought you through. Now, it may not have been how you would have wanted, but you're here, aren't you? He didn't forget about you. He was with you then. And maybe you're feeling a little anxious about 2017. You feel some fire and some flood on the horizon. God's reminder to you is I will be with you then too. Because that's who I am. God says that is who I am. I'm the one in control in your past and in your future and in this moment as well. So God is painting a powerful picture for them that they got to see here. Let's jump down to verse 11 so we can continue on. With this passage, God says this, I, even I, or another way of saying that is I, only I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. Again, I love, God is not unclear on this one. Again, apart from me, it doesn't work. And and my hunch is that maybe you have a sense of this, that you simply cannot save yourself. That's why you're here. If you could figure it all out on your own, you wouldn't be here, would you? We would be coming to you but you know that you cannot save yourself. You are not enough to save yourself. That those times when you face flame and you face flood, you could not do it all on your own. God says that's because I am the one who saves, completely, wholly, I'm the one who redeems, the one who formed you, the one who knows you, the one who calls you by name. I am your saving God. And there's no amount of resolutions or good intentions that can save you by themselves. No amount of effort or energy can ultimately save you. No amount of hustle or muscle can take you from where you're at to where God longs for you to be on your own. God says, good news, I've already got that one covered for you. I am a saving God. That's who I am. That's what I do. Verse 12, God says this, I have revealed and saved and proclaimed I and not some foreign God among you, not some idol that we put up and we think, oh, this will do it, oh, that will do it, or this diet will do it, okay, that kind of new way of doing relationships, oh, this app will do it, oh, this job will do it. God says, no, 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 none of those things. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you. And you are my witnesses, he says. You know this. You've seen this in your life, declares the Lord, that I am God, Verse 13, he says, yes, and from ancient days, I am he. So from long before you, I am God. Now listen to these two promises. You might want to circle these or underline these. No one can deliver out of my hand. And when I act, who can reverse it? Now these are two bold claims of God. God says, when it's in my hand, when I've got this, no one can take it from me. There's not a power in this world that can overpower God. And when I move, God says, it can't be undone. There's no delete button for that. God says, you cannot undo what I do. And when I've got it under control, it will never ultimately be out of control. It may feel that way to you, but it will always be under my control. You can't snatch something out of my hand that I say is mine. And remember what God says. He says, you are his. That you actually belong to him. And so there is no flame and there is no flood that can ever overwhelm you or take you out of the loving hand of God. And there is no work that God is doing in your life where God moves in this world that can be reversed or undone when God moves. Again, this is a powerful promise for them to hear because he's reminding them. He's like, don't you remember my My track record is marked with faithfulness. Like, go back and look at the records. It's marked with faithfulness. Even though yours is marred with forgetfulness and unfaithfulness, God says, I know your record. Do you know mine? Because I've been incredibly faithful to you. And here's the deal. Even knowing your record, I still choose you and call you mine. And then he goes on to say this, and I love this. Verse 18, imagine how this must have heard as they thought about their past and all the times they'd forgotten about God and he'd been faithful to them. Verse 18, he says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Now this is an incredibly liberating thing where God says, forget the former things. I know them, I'm inviting you to forget them. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on, do not get stuck in the past. That was then, this is now. It doesn't mean you pretend like those things didn't happen. It just means that in God, your past is a part of your story, not the whole. And so God says, don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. I know more than you, the story of your past. God says, listen, Something else is brewing. Something else is on the horizon. And he goes on to explain it in verse 19. He says this. See, I am doing a what? I am doing a... Good Lord in heaven, someone say it like you mean it. And I mean it here in an overflow as well. Because someone told me last service overflow wasn't really feeling this. So we actually need to say it again. See, God says, I am doing a new thing. If you believe it, circle it, underline it. Someone's going to find or steal that Bible later and be glad you did. God says, I am doing a new thing. Now, the important thing to get about God's new thing is when it's happening. The next word of the next sentence is now. now. God says, I'm doing a new thing now. I'm doing a new thing now, right now. It springs up. Don't you see it? Can't you perceive it? And he was on to paint a picture of what it's like. I'm making a way in the wilderness. For anyone who's felt lost, abandoned, alone in this world, God says, I make a way for you. And I'm making streams in the wasteland. If you felt overwhelmed, if you felt like you can't go another day, God says, I have a sustaining stream, a river of life for you that flows right through the darkest valley of the shadow of death. I'm doing a new thing now. Now, now it is happening. Now it is upon you. This is a powerful truth. The God who is ageless and unchanging, the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow, the God who was and is and is to come is actually into new things and can do new things in you. That same God is not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. I hope you're not done with you yet because God's not done with you yet. And this gets an amen from my wife every time. He's not done with me yet either. (laughs) Praise God, all glory to God in heaven. This unchanging God, who's been faithful upon faithful upon faithful upon faithful, he is also a God of new things of renewing things, of redeeming things, of taking broken things and making them whole, of taking hurt things and healing them. He is a God of new things, and his new thing can be a now thing in your life. The God who knows your past also holds your future. And more than all of that, he holds you, and he calls you mine. He says, you're mine. You belong to me. Whatever part of your past you feel you are imprisoned to, God says that is not the whole of your story. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I want to do a new thing for you now. And that's the powerful thing I want you to get today. That God's new thing is actually for you. God's new is for you. And I know it's easy, like when you hear this kind of stuff, you think, yeah, I believe it, but it's okay, but really it's probably for people who like pray more than I do or who actually like get involved around here and like the ones that God really likes. His new thing is for them. Or maybe you go, I get it, but God's new thing is really for people who had a really, really hard year last year. Like they really need some new and so it must be for them. No, God's new is for you. It's for you. You who is brand new to faith and just beginning a relationship with God, you who've been doing this thing for 40 years now, do you believe actually that God can do a new thing in your life and your faith and your relationship with him? God's new is for you. You are not imprisoned to your past. You do not have to be a slave to your suffering. Your darkest moments don't have to define you any longer. You can be made new because God's new is actually for you. And I saw this, I saw this idea of God's new being for you, for me, in such a beautiful way and a, and a really difficult way uh, over this break. Uh, some of you may or may not know a woman in our church named Samantha Hansen. Been a part of our church for about two and a half years now or so. And uh, when she was 25 years old, listen to this. When Sam Sam was 25 years old, she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. At 25. That's That's a diagnosis no one ever wants, but at 25. And so she faced this diagnosis that was terminal diagnosis. There was not a whole lot of hope for where this would go or what was next, she began to get real serious about what it means to know the new of God in her life, to have a real relationship with God, not just a kind of like, you know, at a distance relationship, a real relationship relationship with God. Started coming around here, went to Starting Point, which is a great place in our church to ask big questions, tough questions about God, about faith, and got connected around here to an amazing women's small group. And these women walked with her as she walked with cancer. One of the things I love about Sam is that she took this thing in with such complex (laughs) grace she was able to look death in the face and say, until that day comes, I'm going to live every day to the fullest. And even though my life may be coming to an end, that doesn't mean I cannot be made new. I'm not kidding you. You need to read her blog. It's one of the most impo- like unbelievable pictures of someone walking with God, being made new, even in the face of death. Along the way, knowing that she did not have Long to live. She ended up marrying her, the love of her life, Tim, who also comes here to Soul City Church. I mean, think about that. They got married knowing that they wouldn't have a whole life together. And in fact, they were only married about a year and a half or so um, until Sam passed away over this Christmas break. And she, this is what's so amazing, at 28 years old, she prepared her family and friends for her to go. And all along the way, she continued to say, I'm not gonna stop growing, I'm not gonna stop trusting God, even though this fire and this flood is not what I would have chosen, that doesn't mean that I am not God's and that he can't do new things in me, even as my end is coming. In fact, on her last Sunday, She talked to her girlfriends and some women from her small group, and she said, we're going to do all the things I love to do. And so they had a whole day planned out of all the things she loved to do. And you want to guess where the first place she came that Sunday was? Here. She loved this church. And it was here that her relationship with God really began to grow, and so her friends literally carried her in here so that she could be in this place one last time. And then they went to get her a blowout and do all kinds of fun <laughs> things. So, but it started here. <laughs> How, who does that? Who looks death in the face and says, until that day comes, God, my God will make me new. And even though it may not end up the way I want it to, I trust the author of my story. That God's new is actually for me, and it's for you. Do you believe that that's actually possible for you this year, that you can have that kind of perspective, that kind of perspective, that you would trust God to make you new, that his new is actually for you this year? Well, I want to remind you of the Passage that we looked at in Isaiah 43, because it is a personal promise to you, but it was also given from God to a people group, to a whole people group, that God would do a new thing through them. That the new thing that God was doing in them would become a new thing that God would actually do through them. And that's an important thing to remember as we consider the new thing that God wants to do now in and through our lives, is that not only is God's new for you, and it is actually for every single person I can make eye contact with in this moment, everyone you will ever see, God's new is for them too. But here's the thing, God's new is bigger than you, and you need to remember that. It's actually bigger than you. It's actually not all about you. You're awesome and you're a special snowflake and we love you. You are, okay, you are, you are. God knows you by name. He formed you, he redeemed you. But God's new is actually bigger than you. It's not actually all about you. And that God actually wants to not only do something in you but through you. And as you look at our world this last year and you consider 2016, do you think, you think we need some new around here? Do you think we need some new as we look across the world and we see an international refugee crisis that is out of control? And we see people being used as as, as pawns in Aleppo and Mosul. And we could keep going on and on about how broken this world is. We can look to our country. You think we need some new in this country right now? You think we need some new when it comes to the the most bitter and, and divisive election I can remember in my lifetime? You think we need some new when it comes to the continuing uh, growing division in our nation, the racial tension and hatred that continues to drive us further apart rather than closer together. You think we need a new story there? When you think about our city, you just just look around our city. Does anyone here think Chicago needs some new? And I don't just mean like new roads because of all the potholes. I mean like, I mean that's real, but I mean at a deeper systemic level. When you consider that in 2016, just this last year alone in 2016, 714 people were shot and killed in our city alone. Is anyone okay with that? Do you think we need some new? Over 4,000 people shot in our city last year. 714 of them shot and killed. Do you think we need some new when it comes to the violence that plagues our city? Do you think we need some new when it comes to how we love and engage and know and partner with the poor and the under-resourced in our city? Do you think we need some new when it comes to how we help facilitate a future for kids, many of whom their future has been sold in some deal because they don't get actually a quality education that kids in the suburbs are getting? Do you think we need some new in our public education system here in the city? I think we could look across our city. I think we could look across our country. I think we could look across our world and all agree, yeah, we need some new now. But what's so easy to do when you do just that is to begin to say, I sure hope someone does something about that. God, please do something about that over there. What if this new year actually became a now year for you to say, God, I want you to do something through me. I want you to do a new thing through me. I actually wanna be a part of, God, what you're doing in the world. I want you to do a new thing through our, you can start with our Love Works partners. I wanna do a new thing by being a part of, being a life of a student at Brown or Dead Elementary, by reading, by being a part of our brothers, uh, that we get to serve, our family, that we get to serve at Breakthrough Urban Ministries to be a part of that, God. I want you to do a new thing through me. God actually maybe wants to do a new thing through you when it comes to you actually trusting him with your resources this year, that this is actually that now year. Instead of saying, all right, yeah, I really do. God, I want to give. I want to trust you with that, but just I got to get a little bit more before I can give some. And God's pushing you and saying, I want you just to trust me. It's not even about offering buckets or any of that. It's about you trusting me with your resources. And instead of maybe rolling it around to another year, what if this were a now year for God to do a new thing through you? Or maybe there's people in your life that God has actually put you in proximity with for a purpose. People who don't know about the love of God, people who haven't experienced what you've experienced around here. People at work, people in your family, people that you see on a regular basis. Instead of saying, God, I really, really hope they change. I really hope something happens in their life. What if God's like, yeah, that's why I have you there. And I want to do a new thing in you by you stepping out in faith and expressing and extending my love to them or inviting them to at least come on a Sunday and experience what's happening. Instead of going, gosh, I really hope someone someday does something. This is a now year for you to say, God, do a new thing through me. I don't want to sit in the sidelines of what you're doing, God. I want to be a part of what you're doing, to make more room for more people, as we obviously need here, to be part of For the Love, to not just watch a building go up and go, oh, I can't wait to go find my new seat in there, but to actually put a seat in there and to be a part of it and to, to give to what God's doing. What if this were the now year for God to do a new thing through you? So as I thought about how we would do that, I wanted to give you like a real practical next step you could take and how we could, you know, have homework, you know, to do like, okay, let's all practice together. I worked really hard and I I really only came up with one thing. I really, I want, and I know you're like, oh, please give me more. But it was, I only, I had, I only got to this one thought, this one thing, but I wonder what would happen if we actually practiced uh, this principle coming out of Isaiah 43 in our lives this year, if this new year might actually become a now year for God to do things in and through your life feel like you have never experienced before. And so prepare yourself. Something profound is about to come your way. This is some deep stuff <laughs> coming at you, so you might want to jot this down. Here's how you make this new year a now year. Don't say no when God says now. Don't say no. When God says now. When God's pushing you to trust him, inviting you to trust him. Oh, I don't know, God, not with that area of my life. Not with that relationship. God's saying, no, this, is, this new year is a now year for forgiveness for you. You are going to forgive your mother. You are going to forgive your friend. You are going to experience forgiveness now. Oh, no, God, I know. They need to suffer a little bit more. God's saying, this is a now year for you to get involved in what I'm doing, to see the world through different eyes, through the eyes of my son, your Savior, Jesus. I don't know, God, I'm pretty busy. I don't know if I have time. Don't say no when God says now. If God is prompting you, if God is leading you, if God is convicting you of a pattern of sin in your life, an addiction that for some reason you are continuing to hold on to even though it's destroying your life from the inside out. I don't know, God. I don't know if I can really let go of that. It's really fun. I'm really having a great time. Not now. Don't say no when God says now. I don't know how you get to experience anything new if you're gonna keep on holding on to the former things circling around the past. God says, I'm doing a new thing and I want to do it in you and I want to do it through you. So will you say yes to me? And so that's what we want to do to start our year. I wanted to close this message by praying for you, giving you an opportunity to be prayed for. And I want to offer prayer for anyone who wants this to be a now year for you. And you know where, and you know why, and you know how, as I've been talking, that stuff's been stirring up in you. There's areas of your life where you wanna say yes to God, where you don't wanna continue to say no any longer. And so if you wanna see 2017, be a now year where you see God do things in you like never before and God do things through you like never before, I just wanna ask you to stand up. Hear it in the overflow and just stand up so I can pray for you and I would love to pray for you. It's not a really a trick question. If you wanna see God move in and through your life in 2017 and not sit on the sidelines any longer of your life, then stand up and actually mean it. And take, I would encourage you to take the posture of prayer we often take around here, which is open hands. open heart, open life, all of it. And so God, I want to pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters here. I pray for myself, God, that I would not sit by and watch another year go by, but that we would experience your new thing now. And thank you, God, that it's for me. And thank you, God, that it's for everyone who's hearing these words right now that you want to do a new thing in us, a new work of grace, a new work of forgiveness, a new work of freedom, a new work of trust, a new work of faith, a new work of patience in us, God. On and on and on we could go. You have never run out of new things for us to grow into. And so, God, I pray that we would open our lives and say, yes, Lord, yes, that we would not say no to the new thing you want to do in our lives. And God, I pray for our church, I pray for our church that we would say yes to joining with what you were doing in this world. That we would not just look at headlines and sound bites and hope that someone else somewhere else will do something about it. But as you are leading us, God, whatever it may be, that we would join up with you and see you do a new thing through us. That's my hope, God. That's my prayer for 2017, that we would join in with the work you're already doing and be transformed because of it. God, how could we dare expect you to be faithful when we are unfaithful to doing our part? So we commit, God, to showing up and to doing our part and trusting, God, that you will be with us every step of the way. It's in your name that we pray and dedicate this year. Amen.